1: Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door Cinema Club.
0: Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call.
2: Hello, this is Let's Talk About Myths, baby! The podcast where I connect feminism and, often vague, but not always, politics with ancient Greek mythology. I should say, it's not hard, either. The bullshit we're going through now isn't unique to our generation, it's just cycled through forms over the millennia. Hubris and hamartia are terms that come from all the way back in ancient Greece. The meaning of the word hubris has changed since then, though only slightly. Hubris is still arrogance to the point of excess. The idea that one person can think so highly of themselves that they cannot be told they are wrong. That they cannot be told their ideas are stupid. That they cannot be told no one really wants to hear what they have to say. Hmm. Familiar. Today, a lot of those people happen to be billionaires. And that's no coincidence what is it if not hubris to believe that you alone are deserving of the type of money that could solve so many of the world's problems and help so many people who have nothing we've all heard how i feel about a certain billionaire or at least you read about it constantly if you follow my personal twitter account his company starts with an a and it sadly tragically is also a term in greek mythology How is this relevant to today's mini-myth, you might ask me? Well, it's not entirely, though it did provide the inspiration, along with the suggestion of Jerry7171 on Twitter. So, thanks, Jerry. It's timely as fuck. So in light of American politics, that billionaire who thinks charging crazy money for burnt coffee makes him qualified to lead a country, those insane people fighting Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's marginal tax rate, an idea she got from Republicans, and that particular American billionaire I loathe so much, I give you mini myth, hubris and hamartia, or how the ancient Greeks warned us. In ancient Greece, hubris didn't just mean arrogance and pride. It was far more specific. Hubris refers to arrogance that leads to behavior that goes against the laws of nature, or the laws set up by the gods. In their world, it resulted in more than Twitter shaming or losing an election. And Hamartia, that one, you might not have heard of. Hamartia is the concept of the tragic, fatal flaw The two terms are infinitely connected. In many cases, the hamartia of a character is their hubris. Today's episode is devoted to examples of hamartia and hubris, both in stories I've already told in greater detail in previous episodes, and in a couple of new ones. There are definitely spoilers here for previous episodes, so if you haven't listened to the episodes listed in the description of this episode, you may wish to listen to those first. But up to you, I'm not here to boss you around. Arachne was a very good weaver, and she challenged Athena. It's always hubristic to challenge the gods, and so for that Martia, that tragic, fatal flaw of believing oneself to be equal to the gods in talent, Arachne was transformed into a spider. Icarus, beloved son of the brilliant inventor Daedalus, when he was gifted with the ability to fly, a skill humans were never meant to hold, he took it too far. His flight was necessary. It was his and his father Daedalus' only way of escaping their prison in Knossos on the island of Crete. But still, Icarus showed his hubris when he wished to fly toward the sun. Icarus believed he could rival the gods in where he was permitted to go. Humans were not to be so close to the heavens or the sun itself. Once again, his hamartia was his hubris, and for it he plunged into the sea and to his death. Phaethon, son of Helios, wished to fly his father's chariot. He learned later in life that his father was, indeed, the sun god Helios, and so he wanted nothing more than to bring the sun across the sky for all the humans below. But Phaethon was not a god, and his father shouldn't have let him try. But he did, and Phaethon's hubris in believing he could hold the power of the god of the sun meant he burned to smithereens. Oedipus, Oh, we all remember Oedipus. The man really went through so much and fucked himself over so much. But his hubris is one of the most famous examples in all of ancient Greek mythology. Oedipus learned from the Oracle herself that he was destined to kill his father and marry his mother, and, most important of all, the Oracle knows best. But Oedipus's hubris and his fatal flaw was in believing he could outsmart the Oracle's prophecy and in doing so, outsmart the gods themselves. And so he left the people he believed to be his mother and father, attempting to keep himself away from even the possibility that he might murder his father and marry his mother. This was stupid. In leaving these people, he unknowingly left behind his adopted parents, and instead went traveling where he met his true father, on the road, and killed him in some of the worst recorded road rage from ancient times. Once he'd killed his father, he continued on, where he encountered a sphinx, and became the only one who could solve her riddle. This led to his marrying the queen of the nearby Thebes, whose husband had, quite coincidentally, just been killed by a stranger in a road rage incident. So in the end, the oracle was right. And that's because the Oracle is always right in mythology, and no one should ever try to bypass her prophecies, or else you're well and truly fucked. Another of the more famous examples of hubris in Greek mythology is, finally, one I haven't told before. Quite conveniently, though, we might consider it to be the long-lost story from the Curse of the House of Atreus. It wasn't actually lost, of course, I just hadn't covered it yet, but it involves members of that cursed house that we'll be returning to shortly. You all remember Tantalus, I hope, because I've mentioned him endlessly. And his son, Pelops. Well, the story I didn't have a chance to mention in those earlier episodes about this awful, awful family is about Tantalus' daughter, Pelops' sister, Niobe. Niobe is married to Amphion, a man who's an A-plus musician, and, lucky enough, one of the many, many sons of Zeus. Amphion has a twin, too, whose name is Zethus. Great names in this story, right? Amphion and Zethus took to building a wall around Thebes. They wanted to keep out, well... Anyway, they took to building a wall around Thebes. Zethus was a proprietor of toxic masculinity. He was super strong, and he really hated that his brother wasn't into sports. Amphion, of course, loved his music, but that's not what real men like, and so Zethus threw his razor in the toilet and vowed never to shave again. Oh, sorry, no, that was something else. Zethus thought poorly of his brother, again, because his brother liked music and not sports. Surprise fucking surprise, those things mean nothing, and real masculinity is not even in the same realm as toxic masculinity, and in the end, it was Amphion who got the job done. He played his music so beautifully that straight-up magic happened, and the rocks moved on their own, building up the wall far faster than any rock-moving Zethus could do. Once this wall was built... Amphiana Niobe ruled and had many, many, many children. Fourteen, to be exact. Niobe gave birth to seven sons and seven daughters. And this is where the hubris she no doubt inherited from her mad father, Tantalus, comes into play. Niobe begins to think of herself so powerful and talented from having these fourteen children, which, I mean, she's not wrong there, that she asks the people of Thebes to worship her. This is where she is quite wrong. That's clear. She tells her people, You worship Leto, mother of only two children, Apollo and Artemis, but you won't worship me, mother of fourteen? No, no, I'm the fucking best. Leto only had two, and on top of that, the daughter is masculine and the son is feminine. What's that about? she asked, proving that toxic masculinity can infect women, too. That temple over there, she says, pointing at the temple to Leto? No longer for her. Nope, that's my temple now. There you worship me. This couple, Niobe and Amphion. One builds a wall, one is entirely oblivious to what's going on around her and absolutely thinks she's the best and just cannot take the hint that she's got this all wrong because of her arrogance, her hubris, her hamartia. The wall they built around Thebes doesn't stop Apollo and Artemis from flying down from Mount Olympus and taking aim at the children of Niobe. Apollo and Artemis aim their arrows, and one by one, they shoot each of Niobe's children. Fourteen children and fourteen arrows. In shock, and with no ability to realize her own accountability, Niobe kneels before her dead children and cries, completely still. Eventually, she's turned into a stone in the same position, forever crying for her children. Now you might be noting that many of these have something in common. A human's hubris brought them to ruin, certainly, but that ruin was brought on directly by one of the gods. That's certainly the case for Arachne and Phaethon. They made mistakes, but the gods still held the cards for them. Athena didn't let it die. She turned Arachne into a spider. Helios didn't say, no, son, you can't drive my chariot. He let Phaethon, and Phaethon burned. Humans have hubris, and so do gods, but often it's still the gods who lead the humans to death. Of course, this wasn't considered in the same way by the ancient Greeks. To them, the gods were in the right here, and it was the humans' hamartia, their tragic flaw, that led to their demises. These concepts of hamartia and hubris became well known in the ancient Greek world. Much of the concepts arose from the myths themselves, but the Greeks learned from them and continued using these ideas the through line on so many well-known greek dramas include hamartia and hubris as the crux of the story so much so that the idea of hamartia most explicitly was developed by aristotle to understand these tragic downfalls from the most famous of their myths so what can we learn from the ancient greeks well i won't spell it out for you but if these stories taught us something it's that no one is perfect and no one person's ideas or motivations are pure If you think too highly of yourself, or you think you can do no wrong, or that you have the best ideas and no one else can match them, well, you're likely going to go down in flames. Or worse, you're going to take everyone else down with you. Well, friends, thanks for listening. This was a fun episode for me, I really hope it was for you too. The usual, follow, rate, review, subscribe, that would be wonderful. You know the drill. You're all the best. I'm Liv, and I fucking love this shit. Even when the female characters are the bad guys.
0: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.